0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is Niall Jackson, aka Swimmers Jackson, who releases his second album, Now Is All, via his own wonky Carousel Records label this Friday, April 7th. Niall's been on the show plenty of times in the past, both in his own right and with his former band Bouts. We also talked around the release of his debut album Murmuration back in May 2020 during the depths of the initial COVID lockdown. That's where Now Is All begins as well. With no opportunity to tour, given it was the very start of a two-year pandemic, Jackson took to writing as many songs as possible to document the feelings of that time before heading back into his studio in Limerick between lockdowns over Christmas 2021 and St. Patrick's Day 2022. Armed with a handful of songs around loss of identity, an uncertain future, concerns with society's direction and getting older against your will, the resulting album Now Is All is both hard fought and hard won. As Niall mentions... It was recorded and mixed in Limerick by Michal Keating from Bleeding Heart Pigeons. We'll talk about all that later on in the chat. Niall's got some Swimmers Jackson shows coming up over the next month or two. Both headline shows and support shows as well. First, those headline shows. He's playing London on April 14th. That's at the Betsy Trotwood. He's in Cork on May 24th in Maureen's Bar and he's doing The Workman's Cellar in Dublin on May 28th. His support slots include Keela in Islington in London and Norton's Digbath in Birmingham on the 6th and 7th of April, respectively. He's also playing The Secret Cinema in Crystal Palace in London on the 8th of April. He's supporting David Kitt in Roisin Dove Galway on April 20th, The Spirit Store in Dundalk on the 23rd, and he's supporting jinx lennon in pharmacia in limerick on the 28th of april and then back to cork he's playing with keelan sherlock in prim's bookshop in kinsale levis's of Ballydehob hob as well coming up we talk to Niall about irish identity as he's been living in london for nearly a decade at this stage we talk about his creativity during lockdown and we'll talk through the eight tracks on now is all and find out more of the ideas behind the album you can buy the record i should say at swimmersjackson.bandcamp.com i think it sounds great you'll hear him mention influences such as rems irs years and like his debut album murmuration there's a real nice summery vibe running through now is all as well we're listening to the first single off the album at the moment it's called stripped away we'll close with the other single off of the album the brilliant title track now is all and you'll hear some snippets of other tracks throughout the interview as well this is niall jackson aka swimmers jackson on the point of everything So I'm talking to you, I presume you're in your lovely home in south west London? It's pretty south central, it's actually south
1: east on the postcode. It's in Crystal Palace up in the leafy hills of Crystal Palace overlooking the city, right on the border of Croydon and Lambeth and Lewisham and Bromley. So yeah, we're we're kind of amidst four boroughs up here.
0: (laughs) You've been in London for seven or eight years now. Do you miss Dublin? I know that you're back pretty often.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd say less so since the since um since the pandemic. Like I missed it during the pandemic, but then I got back, like you said, a good few times. And yeah, I feel happy here now. I'm I'm definitely ensconced into London life.
0: <laughs> do you still feel an attachment? Like, do you do you have the heart longing for home?
1: I don't think this as much as on the first album. You know, I think the first album <laughs> there was a lot of uh, wanting to be in Dublin and pining for your you're a uh, youth and young manhood but uh this one is more just wanting to be anywhere except stuck in a house <laughs> wanting to be <laughs> wanting to have hopes and dreams and just yeah being outside so uh yeah no no it's uh, it's less less of the longing for Dublin and more of the longing to to live again
0: yeah you're still drinking out of a Dublin cup though so it's still there in your heart you know I mean and,
1: yeah it'll be written in my heart yeah you're yeah, saying it's,
0: all it's, these things but it's still you know I've still got the Dublin cup
1: well, I'm. I'm still. I still always like love coming back to Dublin and love playing gigs in Dublin. So, I'm um, looking forward to all of that. Yeah, that, that. Hopefully, this time it
0: goes off without a hitch. Do you still kind of push yourself as an Irish act, or does that matter more in London? I know that you were playing the Patrick's Day Festival last week. You had some gigs in London.
1: Yeah, I. I think you have to kind of play to your strengths. Like, the, London is just so big, and so many genres, and so many like media outlets and. And then so many like, people doing this the same thing, invert the commas, you know, that yeah, you use what you, whatever you have. So the Irishness does come up. And like a lot of people that will like talk to me about music from the UK will want to talk about Fontaine's or Lancôme or Lisa O'Neill. Um, and I'm quite happy to, to talk all day about those people. So like, yeah, I, I definitely don't shy away from it.
0: You're happy to talk about Fontaine's DC all day. I mean, like, let's let's just scrap all the questions that I've got now. Let's just 40 minutes on Fontaine's DC. Let's go.
1: I think the new album is really good. I think the third album is a huge, huge, huge improvement on the other two. I think they've obviously been playing lots of music together. I think take my hat off to them. They, I think they've really improved musically.
0: Will they release another album and make it, what, four in six years or something like that that's what i want to know in 2023 that's my big question for 2023
1: they'll get they get enough airspace
0: <laughs> but enough about fontaines dc forget about them we're here to talk about Summers jackson you've got a new album uh on the way uh it'll be out in a couple of days as people are listening to this hopefully um tell me about what's different between this album and the first album you you already said that you know there's less longing for home what else were you aiming for maybe with this album
1: I think there's a bit of cabin fever involved, like most albums probably coming out in 2023. I, I released Murmuration, the first album in, in May 2020, and the first single had come out of that in March 2020, so three years ago this week. And obviously everything closed down. So, I, you know, I became one of those like people playing on Instagram feeds from my bathroom and playing Debarra's live feed, you know, on Facebook as well. Um, and just trying to shift these hundreds of records that I'd ordered and then couldn't gig or play so uh, I, I kind of i kind of had two choices which was to wallow in the misery of not being able to tour that album and having all the gigs cancelled or, or just get back to to play and, and and luckily when i'm the way I write music when I get one thing released i kind of, it kind of tends to clean the slate for me anyway so it did give me this new kind of clean slate blank slate to work from and because I had so much time on my hands in the house um and I got a gift of a beautiful electric guitar. Uh I just started writing more like electric guitar music and electric guitar music. Is that a genre? I started writing more music on the electric guitar and uh really enjoying using more pedals and, and and pushing myself a bit um vocally as well. So so I just got to it really and, and the songs kind of stemmed from the environment, sure, but they're not like songs about the pandemic. They're they're songs about the human condition during those two years. So that makes sense.
0: What's the difference between writing or playing the electric guitar and coming up with tunes on that as opposed to coming up with the acoustic guitar? Because there are a mix of the two on the new album.
1: Yeah, I think it's more electric. Like there are a couple of acoustic ones to kind of hark back to to Murmuration, which would be like the single Stripped Away. And there's another song after it called Red, Red Evening Sun. But they're kind of like two bedfellows among a lot more dynamic songs. Um, like I wrote them all obviously on guitar on my own, but then when I got to Limerick with the Bleeding Heart Pigeons lads, they just opened up a whole new world to me. Like because the songs were very much phone demos, me with a guitar singing into into a phone. When I got to Limerick with those lads, like I kind of was open to collaboration and to ideas and to just, yeah, like kind of being excited to be in a room with people. And I think there's a sense of, of the excitement of being back with people in a room on this record that, was missing from, even murmuration, the last one and and certainly the the demos for this album. So there's not much of a difference in the writing, but it's more the um execution mm.
0: And do you still like enjoy playing the acoustic or do, or did you find yourself kind of getting a little bit bored by it maybe
1: a little bit bored by it, a little bit bored, but I think that when it started to creep into my head that I probably wouldn't like to watch me, that's problematic. as as in
0: like on the streams and stuff that you were doing
1: no just like another white guy with an acoustic guitar you know in his 40s now like I was just like no come on I got it (laughs) well you know and then you I guess I guess you'll read a lot of interviews with other musicians and they're saying to like get out of your comfort zone a bit and I was probably getting a bit comfortable with that acoustic and you know not using any kind of you know pedals and yeah it was getting a bit too safe I think so so um yeah I'm happy that I've kind of made a decision to move across this um electric guitar setup.
0: Could you have just stayed on acoustic guitar and maybe aimed at getting more maybe technically proficient? Is that is that kind of one of the things that you might have thought that you would have gone to after the first album?
1: Yeah, but I don't think I will. I think I'm at my I think I've peaked <laughs> on, the, on my guitar skills. like I was a bass player all my life. So I only picked up the guitar really in my late twenties, early thirties I only started writing music myself like really like 29 30 um so I mean I I can keep pushing myself to to get better but I'm never going to be like Keen Nugent or you know Kevin Morby or any of these Kurt Vile virtuosos that we have it's just yeah I'll keep on trying keep on picking away but uh, yeah it's it's slow progress.
0: Like, I was listening to the Andy Irvine and Paul Brady album, and I was, you know, I've got an acoustic guitar here, and I was just like, can I do even a little bit of this album? And I'm just like, no, I can't. I, I just do not have those skills.
1: Yeah, I can sing along. I can hum along. I can hold yeah. a tune. But I think, like, a lot of that stuff is beyond me. See, I never read music. Um, not that that ever stops you from being some of the best musicians, never read music. but like, So it's just basically all feel and all, all feeling it out, so... Yeah, that that also made it difficult when I didn't have anyone to bounce off because I was limited by my by my skill set. But um,
2: mm.
1: I mean, I've, I've got a pretty okay knack for melody, though, and I really enjoy singing. So, David Berman, um, um, Silver Jews, and, and Purple Mountains always calls them the farmer chords. You know, stay up in those first five frets, stay <laughs> stay safe. And like Peter Book from REM did a whole career off it. So, I've got some good bedfellows there, anyway. <laughs>
0: Uh, you already mentioned releasing *Murmuration* in May twenty twenty. Do you have regrets about the release of that, or how it came out, or is it just like it was what it was? It it was going to come out when it was going to come out, and you know, say *La Vie*.
2: Yeah,
1: it was what it was. Um, and and I wasn't going to stop it coming out. I Man, I could have I could have delayed it. Um, and we all thought it was going to be over in the summertime um so so i could have done that but no i was kind of happy enough to get it out because i'd been working on it for a fair few years and dripping out singles and eps so so i felt like i wanted to get get that out Um, the reaction was actually pretty positive because we were all locked in our rooms you mean rt radio one gave it album of the week and it got so much more radio play than i expected certainly in ireland and uh, that's sold out like i've I no more copies of that left so so that was a couple of hundred copies of that sold without playing a gig. So so I'm pretty happy with that. So, no, I don't feel any bitterness towards it now. Probably did at the time, um, but I don't feel any bitterness. I'm just kind of happy now that I'm on album too. And and even if my guitar progress is slow, I think I've progressed as a, as a general musician.
0: Do you associate kind of both sets of tracks, the first album and this album, with the lockdown, though? If the new tracks were mostly written in the lockdown and the last album was released in the lockdown and you were doing those live streams is it just like associated with that time can you separate them from the crap experiences
1: i can separate it completely because anyone that's written an album knows that once you get it kind of recorded and you hear it on cd or vinyl or or digital for the first time that you kind of park it and all that happened for me pre-pandemic you know i kind of had those mixes and masters by january 2020 So so I don't actually have a negative association with those songs. These ones probably will more remind me of the pandemic eventually, because they were all written during that and they kind of document those two years. Um, So I think in time, one of the things I'm proudest about is that I have this little document of eight songs written during those two years. Actually, like I started writing it pretty much in March 2020 and I finished recording it in Limerick. This week last year in Lim- um, with Michal Keating. and um, so so it was a full two year process to to write and record it, and then it's been a year process to to get to this point where it's where it's coming out next week.
0: That's great. So did you kind of get locked down and you're like, right, let's make the most of this time as long as we have?
1: Yeah, 100 percent I, I like like I said, I got that electric guitar off a of friend as, as a as a gift. And um What a nice friend.
0: Around. What a good gift. Yeah, and
1: it was um Without naming names, it was a retiring presenter from my job, and he's a bit of a guitar aficionado, and he, uh, he felt sorry for me, basically, you know, wow. cooped up with this acoustic. I think he was the one that was like, yeah, encouraging me to get away from the acoustic. So we just thought, oh, listen, take this. He gave me a beautiful um, Fender Jaguar, the Johnny Marr one, and uh, he just said, if he ever needs it, he'll ask for it back, and and he hasn't asked for it back yet. <laughs> wow. So uh, so yeah, so I I, I ended up like. Going a bit stir crazy like everybody did, but it was really good for just sitting in a room and 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 playing away until your heart's content, and probably drove my wife mad. But uh, but yeah, the, all of it was pretty much written in, in 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 between two places. Actually, one was in the bedroom in Battersea, and the other place was in BBC in the um in the studios that had closed down because of the pandemic. So they the massive studio they have in there actually got shut down. After a night I was in it, like got three years ago now, I guess, it's bringing me back. I'd done a news night shift and, and we were told, oh, you can't have any guests close to each other. And we had measuring tapes out, I remember, like making sure that they were two metres away from each other. And then it was just this really bizarre TV shot of like four guests, you know, as far away from each other as they could. And that was the last time that studio was used. But the advantage to that was they closed it down completely. And it meant that when I was in there on like overnight shifts or in there with no one else around, that I was able to bring my guitar in and go around to that beautifully soundproof studio and and, and practice these songs until my, until, yeah, until my heart was content. <laughs>
0: That's great. When did the themes of the album reveal themselves to you? What you were going to write about this time? Like you don't want to write about you know being cooped up in your house or or anything like that. I mean the the themes that you mentioned in the press release, which I think you mentioned. Earlier in the chat, or loss of identity, an uncertain future, concerns with society's direction, and getting older against your will—did they? Did you know that those were kind of what you were going to aim for with this album before you started writing? Are you right? And then they reveal themselves.
2: Um,
1: I guess they reveal themselves after you write. Like that was very much the place I was in. I think they're just like, like I said earlier, they're just parts of the human condition probably exaggerated by a pandemic happening around you, mm. but not exclusive to a pandemic. I mean, I think we're all a little bit um, high anxiety about climate and, and and th- certain ways the world is going, you know, towards fascism, for example. But uh, so things like that, like, and then loss of identity. Yeah. That was definitely uh, not helped by the pandemic. When you're someone who's into going to gigs and playing gigs and traveling that was certainly put a bit of a cap on my uh on my on my expression uh, of myself, yeah. So it was um, exaggerated and and probably not helped by the pandemic. But with other things like um growing older against your will, aren't aren't we all doing that? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you're maybe you're growing old gracefully, disgracefully. But uh, yeah, I've never like I've never liked the roundy numbers. Never been a fan of that. And I had forty there last year, so that was kind of on my mind. Um, yeah, because
0: the first album is kind of charting your 30s in a way, I yeah. think. And so this new album, there's a little bit of talking about maybe aging. How How is being 40? Is it like turning 30? You know, nothing to be worried about.
1: I hated it. I mean, it's yeah. so funny about this conversation because so many of my friends are turning 40. Half of them do not care at all. Don't even think about it. Um, and half of us just went, oh, shit, this feels like an ill-fitting suit. Um, I never asked for it. You know, it's like. You know, when you go and get a haircut, and then people are like, "Oh, you got a haircut? Why did you choose that haircut?" And then you just think, "Well, if I don't cut my hair, then no one can say that I've made a conscious decision with my hairstyle." And I felt like the the aging to forty was put on me. I didn't ask for it. And then all of a sudden, you're just an L lad. And then I don't know if I've told this this story to you before, but I was I went to see Just Mustard, um, in the middle of the pandemic. They were allowed play over here in Peckham Audio, and I was delighted with myself. Put my mask on, got my pint, and went to the front. And I realized that, like, there was, you know, that circle of death. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. That, was a, that was around me. And I was thinking it was because of the pandemic or, or whatever. And then I realized it was, no, I was just the old guy at the gig, like the weirdo. Everyone, everyone else was, like, in their 20s, beautiful young people. And I was just this, like, weirdo in the middle with my mask on and my pint. You know, I remember seeing that guy when I was in my 20s. And being <laughs> like, oh, you know, wonder will I meet that dude? Yeah, it turns out I am.
0: You've still got the long hair though, you know, rockers kind of hair in your 40s, you know, no temptation or feeling like you need to cut that or anything, no? I I feel like that, I feel that's the like final signal of like getting old, like cutting your hair or something.
1: Yeah, that's too much of a decision. What do I do? Do I get like a, do I get like a flat top or maybe like a a mop, a flop, you know, one of those steps that we had back in the 90s? (laughs) I just think I'll leave it. Let, I'll let it just grey or fall out. <laughs> just number two
0: back insides. Get get it all off.
1: <laughs> well, the mullet is back with the moustache combo, so I might go for that.
0: Nah, uh, it's certainly something to uh to think about. Maybe, maybe that. Yeah, maybe you'll buy the next album. You'll have <laughs> album have a, three be my balding yeah. album.
1: Yeah, <laughs> dealing with bald male pattern baldness. Yeah,
0: getting even older.
1: Geriatric <laughs> <sighs> park.
0: Let's talk through some of the songs and touch on some of the other stuff that you're talking about. Let's start with the opener, of course, Barrow Sarrow. You sing, I saw a man have a heart attack in the middle of the street and I didn't even stop. This, like, I was listening to it the very first time and I was like, wait, what What did he say? Did this actually happen? Niall?
1: Uh, it kind of happened. Like, Most of the songs are, are semi-autobiographical and this one was based on, yeah, I did walk by a guy in rough minds when I was back home years ago and he seemed to be struggling, but I was pretty plastered myself. So I kind of, uh, I did walk by him and I didn't think for a second that he was in trouble. And then I kind of came to and I was like, shit, that, that old guy is really struggling back there. So so I did go back and, and, and call an ambulance. But but in my head, I was really guilty that I almost walked by him. Um so yeah, that's that, that's literally that line, and then it's kind of thinking, okay, well, if you can do that kind of thing after a few too many drinks, maybe you should <laughs> look at what you're drinking. So it's a bit, that song's a little bit about reining in your uh, your wildness uh, to kind of be maybe a, a slightly better person.
0: It's quite the startling image to have opening the album as well. <laughs> you should
1: have seen this guy, man. I don't know how I, I don't know how I thought it was acceptable. To, to walk by But I did go back And I did, I did get him An ambulance The poor guy And he was fine Because uh, I got his number And everything So yeah Ultimately I come out of that unscathed But <laughs> it was a close one And it kind of stayed with me
0: Catapult The second song It's a really nice Sunny song I think about Creativity Is that what you were going for On this song?
1: Yeah I mean I love I love O E M And I love The IRS years of O E M In particular Which was their Output in the 80s And um, Yeah there's a lot of Beautiful people on Twitter that are obsessed with OEM as well, people like Patrick Barrett from Arrivalists and Kieran McGuinness from Delorentos and um Ronan Hessian, um Mumlin Def Row, Ed Smith from Today FM. We all seem to be in this little kind of mini OEM forum on Twitter. Anytime anything around OEM happens, we, we discuss and and we are talking about the immediacy of those IRS year songs by OEM, like albums like Document and and yeah, Fables of Reconstruction. So anyway, that that song was basically me trying to kind of write an R.E.M. 80s tune with kind of an immediate pop hook. Um, So I'm interested to see what those lads think of it, uh, because it's, uh, yeah, it's my attempt to be uh, immediate pop hooky.
0: The IRS years is is about their early 80s. Is it like the start of R.E.M.? Those first few albums? Is it that's your favorite period of R.E.M., is it?
1: kind of the college rock years and just before they kind of hit the mainstream before they signed for Warner Brothers before they wrote all those mega hits that we all know and love um yeah that that I mean I wasn't a, I was around when those albums were out but I wasn't buying REM albums as they were released back in those days so yeah I love going back to those 80s ones and hearing like Peter Book's use of jingly jangly chorus pedals and like you said the kind of sunny disposition and Yeah, big catchy choruses. Actually, I've just realized in saying this sentence that R.E.M. have a song called Catapult as well. But mine is called Catapult Me There.
0: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: Yeah, that's embarrassing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was just wondering about like the other influences on this album. Like, are they the same as the first ones just because you've got kind of like a more bandy feel, which you might talk about? in a little bit. I was thinking maybe Sea Pinks, that um, Northern Irish band. I can't think of the guy behind it. That seems like... Neil Brogan. Of, yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of feel to it as well. This song in particular, I think.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair shout. Uh, I really like Neil's stuff. Um, and I love Sea Pinks. Um, yeah, that's definitely a fair show. I guess all that kind of like stuff that I grew up with in the Irish music scene as well, like Squarehead and SoCo and Ginnell's you know, those guys get overlooked a lot um, the last couple of years, but they really were so important, like this time 10 years ago, um, to what was happening in Dublin in particular uh, and Galway. Um, so, yeah, a lot of kind of tip of the cap to those lads as well. Um, and, yeah, I just like, I mean, who, who doesn't like a jangly guitar?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now Is All is the title track. What is it called, Now Is All?
1: kind of what we were mentioning about just the, the living through a pandemic and not really knowing what tomorrow will bring and the loss of identity. And, um, yeah, I suppose it was living for the day a bit, you know, um, just, yeah, someone told me that uh, someone told me when I announced the album was called now is all that it was also the slogan for the guitar world cup this year, which I wasn't aware of at all. Um, so that was a bit depressing, but it has nothing to do with that and it's everything to do with Yeah. Just living for the moment and and, and cracking on and, and trying to enjoy yourself as best you can.
0: Mm, I think that this was the first song where I realized that this is kind of a proper bandy kind of album. And I know that you're playing with the band live. Um, Did you also record with the same guys, or was that just separately? That was the Bleeding Heart Pigeons guys who you were recording with, was it?
1: When I asked Michal Keating from Bleeding Heart Pigeons would he he record the album, and he he agreed. He he said, do you want me to ask Brendan uh, Mac and Ernie from... Bleeding Heart Pigeons and Mary wallopers now as well uh, to play drums on these songs. So I yeah I was absolutely floored by the offer because I played drums on my first album badly, and I think that's why a lot of people call that first album low-fi, mm-hmm. um, because I'm not a drummer. But Brendan was like incredible. So we had him for I had him for two days. Um, and then the the, the first day I'd literally go in and be like like I was saying yeah I'm thinking of like an REM vibe in this one IRS years and he was straight into it he had done a bit of research to be fair we had like a zoom meeting before I went over to Ireland and he asked me my influences on each track and but when I went into the studio with him I was just able to say to him this is that kind of granddaddy vibe this is that you know more kind of like 90s vibe and yeah he was just straight in changing brushes changing snares changing cymbals and yeah, he's he's an amazing drummer and he's so adaptable. And um, I'm not sure if he does loads of session work, but God, if you can get your hands on him, he's he's worth his weight in gold. As is Mihal Keating, and the, and actually Mihal, to be fair as well, he was um, he knew that I'd written these songs alone, so he was chipping in with like violin on that first song, and he plays synth on Now Is All, and he plays a second guitar on one of them as well, and he plays. What else does he do? He does he, I think he, I think he appears on four tracks anyway. Um and his and his contribution is amazing. It's just that kind of extra bit of he plays um a lead guitar on the final track, We crawled as well.
0: So do you still think of this as a solo album, a solo project? Do you think of it as something maybe wider now?
1: It is a solo album, but it's definitely better for them being part of it. Um, you know, I kind of I didn't tell anybody what to play. So I guess they're creatively there, but I knew what I wanted, you know. So if I, if I didn't want a part, I wasn't thinking, oh, I got to keep Michal happy. I was like, no, nah, don't like that. Get rid of it. Or can you do that? And yeah, so, so it was very much dictated and composed by myself. But with the help of those lads for the, I think we did four days recording in Christmas 2022. And then we did, we were meant to do three days recording this time last year, but I got COVID on day two after all of that. So, um so yeah, some of these... Vo- actually, that's a good addendum. Is that the word, addendum? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Sounds um, good anyway. I had, anyway. To, record, I had to record some vocals with Rob Cotter, um, the guy I used to present the radio show with over here. I had to record some vocals with him in his bedroom in Peckham because I couldn't do them because I had COVID. And then I had to record, re-record two vocals when I was on my holidays in Margate. Going to see CMAT, actually, at a, at a festival down in Margate last... July, I think it was, and I wasn't happy with two of the vocal takes. And I just happened to be staying in an Airbnb of the producer Mike Lindsay. He does all the Laura Marling stuff. And he's in a band called Lump with Her. And oh, wow. he's in another band called Tongue. And yeah, I just got chatting to him like over breakfast. And and he was telling me about this amazing studio, Pra Studio, that he has in um in um in Margate. I think it's owned by the guy who runs Moshy Moshi Records. Anyway, I was like. Any chance I could re-record two vocals uh, before I head over to see uh, the gig. And he's like, yeah, sure. And we just brought me down. And we, we, yeah, I think we had two hours and we got them both done.
0: Wow. And can you hear them on the album? Uh,
1: I, I I, know where they are, obviously. But I sent my brother around in an advanced copy and and he could hear the different microphones, which I thought was really fascinating. He was like, is this one recorded in Limerick or in a bedroom? And he's like, yeah, you can tell. So, yeah, I was kind of, it just goes to show it does pay to 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 hire a proper producer and use proper studios. Um, yeah, but they all have their charm. It's nice in a way as well, because it means that the album, even though it's recorded 90% in Ireland, there's a touch of, 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 of Britain in there as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and tell me about who you're playing with uh, live now, who's in the band.
1: Yeah, we've got a cork langer on the bass, uh, oh, right. James C. Lyons. He's been in bands with Shane from Elk and he's been in loads of bands down through the years and he's gone on tour with like 10 past seven and stuff like that. So he happens just to live in Crystal Palace. Like the chances, the chances of making a new friend in your forties is slim enough without meeting someone that's a musician from Ireland into all the same stuff as you and is available to play in your, in your live band. So he's an amazing musician. He's an amazing guitarist in his own right. He has loads of stuff up in band camp under James C. Lions. And how um, did
0: you yeah, yeah. meet him? Was it just like coincidence or?
1: Well, uh, you don't make friends over here very easily. So I was minding my nephews and they were, they were playing football and his kids were playing football and we were just the dads on the sideline having a chat. And it turns out then, yeah, we were, we can be all the same friends. Like, you know, we all had the same, he, he's from Cork. So we, I was able to m- mention a few of the Cork superstars and he's like, oh yeah, I know Albert. Oh yeah, I know. But like, yeah, you know, Shane from Elkwood about like that? So yeah, we ended up having a lot of crossover. And then, yeah, he agreed, he agreed He agreed. to play. I played on some of his songs. Uh, he was doing a fundraiser for a marathon. I played bass on some of his songs, and then he played bass on some of my songs. And then I was thinking, God, this guy is too good to let go. So I kind of put the word out on Twitter that I needed a drummer, but he had to be based in South London because I wasn't doing this thing of trying to drag three people across London. So uh, luckily, a guy called Chris, Chris Anderson, um, answered the call, and he's, he's an amazing drummer he plays in a few he's, a, he's an English. well he's a plastic paddy i think it's okay to say he's got irish family and uh he considers himself irish but he's got the english accent. but he plays in a bunch of a uh, trad of irish bands himself mist the fairy is one of them and um yeah they get booked for a lot of stuff around this time of year um but he's an incredible drummer as well and and the two of them just work really well together so and they both have chipped in with the vocal parts as well because uh, this album has a lot of vocal parts and, and yeah they're, they're, it's, it's, it's been so
0: much fun bringing them to life great and is it nice having swimmers as a band thing again
1: yeah it is it's kind of come full circle it was like it was swimmers in dublin for, for five years and then i added the jackson when i got here and i was on my own so uh, maybe it's time to drop the jackson again if the lads stick around And um, it's been lovely though i i i, I do love like writing on my own and making the decisions on my own, but I, I, I love playing with people. And, I, and you know, all those years in in Boats and automobiles and other bands that I was in, you know, it became the way of doing things for me. So it, it did get a bit boring. Like I said about the acoustic guitar, got a bit boring, just me and just the acoustic, lugging it around London, London's tube network. So it's nice now
0: to, uh, yeah, get back in the van. We're, we're getting in the van and coming to Ireland. So that's going to be so much fun. Very good. I'm reminded of, uh, I remember reading an interview with Limit, which has really stuck with me. I've got like some good tidbits from that interview. But one of the things he says is that if you're a bassist, there's like no point just playing bass in your bedroom alone. Just get in a band, just play with the band. So that's almost what you were thinking with the acoustic guitar. Like, you know, I'm tired of just playing this by myself in the bedroom. I just want to play it with other people.
1: Yeah. And I think the pandemic just, you know, exacerbated that kind of feeling of, you know, loneliness and, god like what is the point of this if music isn't a communal thing like what is it so you know i've a lot of respect for people that do do it all on their own and like to be honest i'm i'm absolutely exhausted doing a full-time job and then doing the pr for this the radio plug-in the managing the booking the you know rehearsals it is exhausting like and i would i would love some help so it's coming out on my own label as well which is wonky carousel records um, and even though that's already rewarding, it it, it it's definitely affected my energy levels. <laughs> so mm. I'm, I'm close to burnout and it's not even out yet.
0: Well, that's one of the things I was going to ask you about is that like, you, I mean, you mentioned the likes of Ginnell's earlier and Squarehead and some of those acts who I think of as like proudly independent in way and i think of you as you know very pro independent type of artist i mean and diy as well so i think of that as important to you but obviously it's like mentally taxing as well is not
1: it? yeah it's it's important to me that you don't let it stop you you know um i would love some help i would have loved someone to offer to put this out i would have loved to be able to afford a radio plugger, for example. I got a really generous offer, but I just wasn't able to afford it on my own. Like with the bands that I've been in, you're able to take the hit, you're able to split it three or four ways. Um, I'm just not in a position where I can where I can do it. So you you just make do and you I think the worst thing to do would be to, to throw the towel in because it's a bit tougher, you know? It's 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 tough on every artist at the moment without going down that hole rabbit hole so I don't think you, you can let it stop you I'm like yeah there is an element to it where I suppose when all is said and done you can say I made that I did that I did the photography for this I did the artwork and I should say that Daniel Flynn from Boats did a beautiful job on the layout of this record he did all of the typography all the layout all the listening to me trying to get him to you know redo templates so shout out to Dan because uh yeah I wouldn't have got that over the line him. but yeah in the, for the for the most part it is it is just just me and uh, I, I definitely uh, miss bandmates for that kind of stuff as well.
0: <laughs> you need to get onto the other lads who are in the band now to contribute in that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're they're like they're kind of attentively saying, "Yeah, I'll play your stupid songs, but leave me out of the business," you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're about halfway, I think we're past the halfway mark now, uh, going through the uh, songs on the album. Kick Me Out is the next song we're going to talk about, where you sing, We'll Run Them Right Out of Town. Who is the they that you're talking about?
1: God, this could get dark.
0: Um, Is is it about racists was what came to mind? I'm thinking, like, is this a Brexit kind of a song?
1: No, you could, could, that could feed into it, all right, but it's more about perverts and creeps and... People who seem to get away with uh, literal rape and murder, um, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a dark topic to go into, um, but yeah, a lot of shit happened in the last few years with um, male male violence on women, and 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 I just think when you're like a, a dad or an uncle or whatever, you just start thinking, holy shit, that is doesn't seem right that. That can happen. So, yeah, I guess that was the angriest song on the album. I we just thinking, I'd like to form a vigilante group and run these pricks out of town.
0: Yeah, we run them right um, out so, of town. Right out
1: of town. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, you can probably read the lyrics out on yourself. If you have a closer look, it, it becomes pretty apparent. But, it, yeah, it's probably best left alone. <laughs> it's it, it kind of, uh, it's like red rag to a bull. Some stuff kind of just, you know, uh I guess that's yeah you try and spread joy and remain hopeful but the odd time the news cycle which I'm part of working
0: in in, in news can get to you and it can feel a bit dark uh moving swiftly on then <laughs> <laughs> Cheery uh, end to side a. yeah whoa uh Stripped Away was the first single why did this make sense as the first taster of the new album for you
1: it seemed like a good linked track between Murmuration and this one um Seemed to have a bit of both worlds, and also it was the first song written for the album. It was kind of written in the in the depths of of the despair we all felt when we were literally washing our shopping in the sink before we, you know, before we ate it, and you know, not seeing anybody, not seeing family, uh, and I just felt like, yeah, well, if this album personifies that time, then it's it's a good it's a good lead single and also i i, I worked really hard and it. it was um my first co-write my, my wife helped me write the um lyrics to, to that and then she helped me do the overlapping kind of verse into chorus melody as well because again i was on my own i'd no one else to play with couldn't see anybody so i made her sing i made her sing the verses and the choruses you know while we kind
0: of bounced it off each other but i couldn't convince her to uh, appear on the actual album oh <laughs> That's great. That's like um, Matt Matt Berger from the National. Doesn't he write with his wife a lot?
1: I think he writes and then he gets his wife to kind of judge it, doesn't he? I something think he like, yeah, it,
0: yeah. yeah, I think I think she's a journalist or something like that. Is your but, wife uh, a good judge of your music? Is she? Uh, is she the cutting critic that you need in your musical life?
1: She's pretty good actually. Like she doesn't really suffer fools gladly. Like she'll say when it's shit, um, which is probably more often than I would would, would like. <laughs> um no she's she's pretty good like she she's uh got a good sense of melody and yeah I suppose keep you away from the darkness as well
0: and this has been stripped away has been getting some good support too, both from b b c six music and it's been getting played over in Ireland as well on r t e um is that nice to see was that is it a bit of a surprise i think it's I think it's a good enough song to be on the radio, but yeah,
1: it's been a pleasant surprise that it's gotten as much radio play as it has. Uh, especially without a plugger or without a PR um, team behind it. Uh, I don't know why that is. I guess I'm doing it a long enough time that I have probably work, built a bit of a contact book where I can actually just se- send people like personal messages as opposed to this kind of like blank mass email from from whatever um, PR Person might be you know so it takes time but i think it's a good way of penetrating different like i would only send it to shows that would play it as well i I wasn't just sending it to like soul and r&b
0: shows and yeah yeah that's the important thing is not
1: yeah so i listen to a lot of radio and i hate streaming so i put a lot of my energy into the radio side of it as well so so it feels like it paid off but there was a lot of hard work into that as well. I mean, um, you got yeah.
0: the Steve Lemac seal of approval. I mean, that must have been like such a nice moment. He he shouted out the song as well and said some nice things about it. Yeah, it was really
1: hard. He played it a couple of times and and he he's a tough he's a tough nut to crack. He doesn't suffer for as gladly himself. Um he works in a building across the street from mine and 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 that was to absolutely no advantage whatsoever because he he will, he doesn't deal with producers, but well, he does have producers but basically what he does for anyone listening out there, if you want to get a Steve Lamac play, he listens to everything himself, and he just he just listens. He's a listener, and then he'll get in touch with his producer and be like, "Yeah, I like that Ono Sullivan song. I like that Summers Jackson song. I like that whatever Denise Childs song. Find all of them, stick them in a playlist for me, and I'll see you tomorrow at four o'clock." So he's he's a he's a listener. Like he's he's, he's like a teenager. He still listens to just as much music as ever. I remember seeing him in the pub one time, and I'm like is there any best way this was maybe three years ago and he was like nah he's like if I like it I'll play it if I don't like it I won't play it and that's kind of fair enough there's a certain Mm. duty to that especially in this modern age of playlisting and you know ABC playlists even being on six music now he seems to be a a, a nugget in in there that he's able to play his own stuff you know
0: song on the album is red red evening shift which i'm pretty sure like definitely is about your your own job and working the night shifts isn't it yeah
1: which funnily enough came to an end this week as well and um, the, the the night shifts in there are lonely at the best of times and during the two years of the pandemic i was literally one of maybe 10 people in the entire building and if you've ever seen uh, the building it's a new broadcasting house in in central london it's a huge art deco building and they've added on this like modern wing. Thousands of people usually scurrying about the place. And, and during the pandemic, it was, yeah, it was down to about 10 of us. <laughs> it was really eerie. And, uh, and, and to make it even worse, there was no windows because all the TV studios are in the basement, like down there with like the tube, like you're way underneath the ground. It's like a bunker. Um, so the sense of longing and wanting to be anywhere else uh, was was strong on this one. So it's pretty much about, yeah, imagining like a road trip in America, maybe, with the windows down, the roof <laughs> down, you know, uh, sunny. Yeah, all those things we couldn't do. It was very much me being in like a daydream world and, and stuck in it. Not that the presenters aren't lovely people, like, but you don't really get to chat to them because they have an earpiece in and they have uh, autocue to read and they have, you know, interviews to research in the middle of a program. So like, even if you do get to chat to them, it's usually curtailed by like 10 second counts and having to listen to somebody else. So yeah, that song pretty much, uh, personifies the loneliness of working on your own 10 floors underground.
0: Wow. Um, what, what time would the shifts finish? Like generally?
1: I, so I finished at seven this morning. I would have started at 11 last night. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's for anyone that doesn't know, that's like the BBC world service. And to this point, it has been 24 hour service from, from London. And um, that all changes as, as linear broadcasting falls apart and gets obsessed with TikTok. But uh, if, until now it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a 24 hour cycle and and we have to all cover that. So uh, I do do normal day shifts as well, but yeah, you, you get moved into this kind of six week pattern of, of night shifts and uh
0: Yeah, those weeks are long. I'm glad when they're over. Protest contest. Didn't you literally write a thesis on protest songs? Am I imagining that? Ah, that's a good memory. Yeah, Yeah. I did.
1: And then I felt really guilty that I'd never written a protest song. So I decided instead of... uh, Instead of writing a protest song myself, I'd write a song giving out about the lack
0: of protest Yeah, that's songs. what I was thinking the song is about. It's almost railing against protest songs, or lack thereof. No, no, it?
1: no, it's it's not railing against protest songs, it's railing against the, the, the safety of music. If you say the safety of music these days, you sound like an old man yelling at clouds, but yeah, if you look <laughs> at the modern pop star, there's not a whole lot of... Um... Wait, oh, what's the word? What's the best choice of word here? It's a little bit vacuous sometimes. You'd miss kind of, yeah, I did my thesis on protest music from the 1960s to 2015, and yeah, you saw a, a steep decline after the 70s, maybe a bit of that kind of charity stuff in the 80s and 90s with Bono and Majore and Bob Geldof. And then it really disappeared until Black Lives Matter. Um, D'Angelo and even Beyonce and Kendrick Lamar kind of spearheaded this return to protest music um, which now you see a lot more, you do see a lot more protest music to be fair now in the last five years. But on FM radio, daytime, you don't, you still don't really hear it.
0: Yeah, uh, we won't get into FM radio just because we won't go, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> so did you enjoy writing the the thesis and stuff? When was that? Yeah, that was it. that like eight years ago or something?
1: That was my final year in Dublin Yeah, 2015. It was a, a master's in political communications in, in DCU. Yeah, and I used Christy Moore as my kind of um, template person. You know, fifty years of writing music. How many of his songs were protest songs? Did they make a difference? Did they puncture the conversation? Did they make change? Uh, so that was yeah, twenty fifteen. And Christy Moore actually is what ended up being really great because he he uh, he was able to give me interviews and you know give me feedback and. It was, it was really nice. It was really nice to do. And I'm, I was really pleased, actually, with the timing that it was around the time of that um, massive resurgence in protest music for Black Lives Matter. And then you started seeing, like, you know, the likes of even Lancome and Lisa O'Neill starting to dig in. And I guess folk music has always been great for, for protest
0: as well. And finally, We Crawled, the last song of eight. Why only eight songs? Did it just feel like the right uh, am- amount of time, runtime?
1: Well, Kojak got away with 25 minutes, so I figured, <laughs> figured 29 minutes was like a, an, an epic journey. No, I, I had 10 songs, to be honest with you. I did have 10 songs on it, and and then I reduced it to nine, because one of the songs kind of felt like a bit of a joke song. And then it was nine until the last week before I sent it away, and I just couldn't get that ninth song to fit amongst the, the you know, the running order is very important to me. Track listing is very important to me. Side A, side B always exists in my head. So... We crawled seemed like a really good finisher. Um, it's kind of like an emo emo number, I guess. Um, and then the song that was after just didn't work at all. It was too like shiny happy people, kind of like. And I just thought, you know, I'll keep that up my sleeve for 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 the next thing. So yeah, it was more of a of a quality over quantity
0: decision. Do you want to talk about what this track is about?
1: Oh God, what is it? I mean, it's a kind of a bookend to the pandemic, to be honest. Um, It doesn't really mention the pandemic in it, but it's the idea that I wonder will future generations look back the way we look back at the Spanish flu and think like, look at the sacrifices that we made to kind of keep the show on the road. Um, Yeah, so I guess the chorus is we we crawled so you could run and just things about... uh, keeping your identity through the two years. I don't know if you lost any friends, but maybe that's a dangerous area to go into as well. Like a couple of people that I knew kind of went into the, into the rabbit hole of YouTube videos and conspiracy theories. And, 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 and it's a bit of a rallying cry to hold on, hold fast to the human inside you. Maybe, maybe don't get too sidetracked, stick, stick to the bigger picture. So it felt like a, it felt like a natural end because it was the last song written as well.
0: So like a natural entry album very good and and now since this is getting a proper release and you're getting to tour as well both ireland and around london too i don't know if you've got wider dates in the uk does this kind of does it feel a lot different now this part of it
1: yeah i think like all the admin is at the moment before i get it out um i'm trying to get singles out and trying to send all the other rec- records and cds out so that's um that's boring but um, now hopefully I get to have fun and actually go on the road and play these songs and, yeah, meet some friends that I haven't seen in a while. We're playing in London, Birmingham. Uh, we're doing loads of dates in Cork, actually. Cork is great. Right. I think it was you that challenged me for the Cork run. you are know, like, quite go on tour of Ireland and you can go on tour of Cork.
0: Yeah, I've so, recommended uh, it to so many people. Like, you know, if you can, just do Connacilty, De Barras, of Lep and continue out to Levises of Ballet de But what an amazing way to spend three days.
1: Yeah, and I managed to get one in Kinsale in, in Prim's bookshop in Kinsale as well. It's Simon Prim, he, lovely man. And uh, he's given me a, an evening. Well, to be fair, Keelan Sherlock is headline of that one. And he's Keelan's also headline of the um the Cowlands one in Bally. Is it Ka- no it's not Cowlands. It's Cow- no it's Levi's Levin's Bally the Hub, yeah, yeah. Um so that's that's I'm opening only opening those shows. I'm um, in Kinsale and, and Bally the Hub. But in Cork City, I'm playing in Maureen's Bar Have you been in there?
0: Uh, I know of it, I don't think I've seen a show there But I've heard really nice things Well I'll see you on May 20 I think it's 24th
1: Yeah, I didn't quite make to the barrows one Happened this time, Raise a busy man Hopefully next time um, And then yeah, and then I'm coming back to Dublin For the big album launch on May the 28th, Sunday The May the 28th in the Workman Cellar Great, great. Which it was meant to be where I played at Rosa Nutty last Christmas, but that got postponed on as well. So um, I've now finally honoured that booking in the Workman's Cellar. So I've come <laughs> down Sunday, May the 20th. I think it's the week before Primavera. So people should be in that holiday mindset.
0: Come down <laughs> for some sunny
1: indie pop.
0: Exactly, exactly. I saw that you're supporting David Kitt in London as well, is it?
1: No, it's uh, the Kitzer ones are in Roisin, Dove and Galway. Oh, okay. On the 20th of April, and then I'm going to open in the Spirit Store in Dundalk. My first time playing in the Spirit Store or Dundalk. Great. So that's on Sunday, the 23rd of April. Actually, I should say, um, for anyone interested in coming to them, the April shows for, with David Kitt and Jinx Lennon in Limerick and Nina Nastasia in Dublin, they're all me solo. And then the ones in May are me with the band. Full band.
0: So you can get both experiences if you want. Yeah,
1: and I'll have the records with me at both of
0: them. Have you played with David Kitt before? I'm guessing that it must just be really nice to play with. I'm presuming like one of your favorite musicians.
1: Yeah, I saw him for the first time in 1999 before wow. he'd even released an album. He was playing in the Isaac Butt uh, down by Bus Aris in Dublin with The Frames and Jubilee All-Stars. Wow. Possibly possibly Paul O'Reilly. They had released this a little CD called Come On Up To The House, which I still have. Um, And I think I have a set list by the frames and that. And I remember seeing David Kitt at that and then immediately like following him and going to every gig that he did. So I've been I've been with I've been with the David Kitt fan club since day one. Um, So when I saw he had this tour coming up, I think he's got like 30 dates. I was like, just let me do some of them, please. And uh, thankfully, he relented and has allowed me to
0: open up in the Roisin Dove in Galway and in the Spirit Store in Dundalk. Is he? kind of an inspiration in the way that like he just keeps cranking out the music you know like he's been going as you say like since 99 since 98 or whatever it was and he's still yeah. putting out great music like i've been listening to his discography the past week or two and listening to the new album that he's got coming out and it's just like so good he's just one of
1: these talents isn't he like he the proof is in the pudding. Like he's he's been quite outspoken on certain issues as well around trouble with living in Ireland and trouble with recognition and the lack of recognition. But he's never stopped his output. Like it's never affected his output. He's got New Jackson. He's releasing stuff on apartment records. He's you know he's as comfortable doing electronic stuff as he is doing acoustic stuff, doing folk stuff. He's playing in David Gray's band. He's got Michelle Stotter from the Magic Numbers appearing on stage of him when he's in the UK. Like, he's a very well-respected, slightly under-the-radar musician. I'm always surprised when I'm over here in London and people haven't heard of him. I'm like, really? He played in the Tindersticks for a while. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for him and a lot of time for him. And uh, he probably should be a lot bigger than he even is.
0: Yeah. Um, Would you kind of like that career as well? Kind of as we wrap up, can you imagine yourself making music even older than in your 40s?
1: I mean, I'm not going to stop now, so I, I'll do it regardless of whether there's 10 people there or 100 people there. But um, I don't know, like it seems to be as hard. I think people can be quite misty-eyed about it. Like it seems to be as hard for him. Even you hear like, you know, Pillow Queens and the gala Band lads will talk about going back to their jobs. Everyone everyone now just seems to accept that, you know, it's it's a serious pursuit, but you kind of have to keep the fire burning financially elsewhere so I mean to answer your question you know, I'll never stop playing um whether people get more interested or less interested is kind of not of my concern I'm not really playing for fame right you know does that make sense
0: yeah I guess it's kind of you know you you separate it out are you you know you're making music for the art itself or just making it for yourself or you know then there's the commercial side of it and you can do yeah. as much or as little of that as you want and it's up to you how satisfied you are from it as well yeah i welcome anyone that's going to help me amplify this like yourself or websites and the radio stations that that play it or
1: even god forbid a playlist (laughs) um but but yeah uh give me i'd love an l sync of an ad maybe that could make things easier could ease the financial burden of this um but yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not thinking about it at night time that's not stuff that concerns my my day-to-day thinking on, on making and playing music
0: well listen congrats on the album it's called now is all and best of luck with it and look forward to seeing you in may hopefully or april thanks
1: so i got my test pressings today so yeah it's, it's in my hand now no one can take it away from me and there's my little
0: boy from the cover <laughs> very good very good lovely gnome lovely gnome uh cool <laughs> thanks a lot man and hopefully yeah see you soon cheers i hope see you see in cork
3: Time was all we had to make use with those plans The best laid go to ruin any time There is no honeymoon You won't see me too soon It's good to get to know your goodness now Cause now is all we got Practice what you preach Encourage and teach Everybody's shouting